welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region in the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings Reds, how are you? Well, I'm following South Africa, England and Stokes uh, want to uh, like uh, get England out of out, out of trouble because they were six down for just over what two eleven. But he's trying to come to attack. But of course, that wouldn't be part of our um, discussion this morning because um, you simply have um, you know a, a long way to go. But yeah. three centurions in the South African lineup. But let's move on. That was not your proving opening question <laughs> but it's it's irresistible to for both of us i'm sure to to not have a test match on in the background while we chat um yes. the cricket we were both watching uh last night or or in my case last night yesterday uh it was the nagico uh super 50 uh final and as expected trinidad and tobago prevailed uh what were your thoughts on on the game and the tournament reds well i had done a rage piece um the day before, and I said, you know, if cricket was played in paper, uh, the West Indies board could simply say, Clive Lloyd, hand your trophy uh, to Jason Holder. <laughs> but it's played in turf. And I did say the Trinities are going to are going to fight. They have, uh, you know, not a team of stars, but they've got Bravo, but they have some useful players who have been consistent. And I think their consistency, their discipline, one out. Um, I thought the, the Barbadians were very ragged, their length, their feeling, and where Trinidad had a very good start, you know, even Lewis, 25, and Kyle Hope, uh, 34, took them well over 50. Barbados lost Braffitt um, and his, his partner, Dwayne Smith, very early, and I think that really set the, the Barbadians back. If they had a good start, that runs were gettable, but um, they were under pressure. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, one of the. There was many talking points of the tournament generally. Uh, one was pitches, which I know we want to talk about in a moment. But uh, I know you were somebody that uh, a few days ago, um, echoed by Ian Bishop later on TV, uh, really felt that there should have been uh, more more reviews available for uh, for the TV umpiring. Yes, I think that uh, people will say we are attacking the umpires. Uh, I don't think that Ian meant it that way, and I didn't uh, really mean it. it was an attack on the empires. I just mean that it will be fair, it will be better for mm. all, better for the tournament, better for bowler, batsman, if you could institute two reviews in the Nagical. Yes. Because you had many dubious, very close calls, a couple of batsmen maybe went inside edge, given leg before, and uh, I, I hope um, the the Western East Board look at it. And in fact, I I did send an email uh, to President Cameron. He's hoping that he'll pass it on to the cricket committee for the possibility of maybe having a, 
uh, a thought about you know introducing two reviews, but it's got to be done very quickly, David. It can be a situation where you have the shorter format of the game having the same kind of length in deciding. It's, yeah. it's got to be uh, a facility which has got to be answered in thirty seconds. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, the pitches were something that uh, Jason Holder was uh, spoken spoke about um, in the media this week. I also saw Darren Ganger in this week's edition of Line and Length talk about uh, how how unfortunate they were. They were uh, they they weren't great. There was a uh, perhaps far too much in there uh, to, to to help the spinners from the world go. What what was your feeling about the pitches, Reds? Well, that's been an ongoing saga, an ongoing debate. For years now, I mean, pitches have, have, have gotten um, a lot worse. Um, you know, originally you, you had Kensington and Sabina as uh, the two standard bearers. Um, St. Lucia has had a lot of uh, good performances, both with bat and ball, because the pitches improved. Trinidad and, and, and Guyana is the real problem area. Can't quite say um, too much about the Antigua recreation. I can't say too much about the Savannah Richard Stadium, mm. uh, but that seems to be one that where a batsman can, can score runs. But the, it needs to be a greater focus, a greater focus. Um, it's one thing, you know, engaging Ken Crafton, who is the creator at Beauchenjou, um, but he, you know, don't have enough time maybe on his hands to really get the ground staff in the various islands to start working at a much earlier stage. It's not a, a situation where you can go in the week before and, and see change. There must be a total program. I know we had the ICC um, senior pitch um, personality in the Caribbean. Maybe he needs to come back again. We need to look at the soil, but we really need to look at solving the problem. Because um, if you want a better cricket, you need to have better pitches. And I think Holder's call has been one of many. He's just joined the list. Yeah. The ball was turning too much in Trinidad. I can't say, um, since I didn't really see too much of the uh, St. Kitts um, leg, whether that seemed to be a little, little better if you look at the scores, if that's an indicator. But it's a problem the Western East Board has got to look at, and it's got to be a long-term solution. And Ken Crafton can't go in a day, a week before, uh, into any one of the um, grounds and simply wave a magic wand. He, he needs time, and it, he needs to get um, the various uh, ground staff to work on that throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's a great deal more that we could uh, say about uh, the standard of pitches and perhaps even look backwards about uh, how it's uh, got to this stage. But I don't think I want to do that today, Reds. We've got, um, well, it's been quite a, a busy week in, in, in West Indies cricket. Uh, sticking with the Najico, just, just for a moment before we move on to one or two things, we did get uh, uh, an email from, from one listener that uh, pointed out that uh, well, why were the boundaries quite so short in this tournament? Yes, I've asked Derek Murray, um, the president of Queen's Park Club and former West Indies player, just to indicate to me how short uh, the boundaries were. Was there one side um, where it was very short? I know once you go to the extreme of the square, you're going to have one boundary short. Mm. And in the case of Boshinju, what they do, they adjust the ropes uh, to ensure balance. But I'm getting... 
clarification on that. And I hope Derek comes back to me um, with the actual number of, of yards used as the case may be. Mm. The, the other thing about the Nanjiko was maybe the disappointment of Guyana. Um, they came out second uh, to the Volcano Windwards uh, from the St. Kitts zone. And really and truly, um, they were very disappointing. Disappointing to um, the organizers, disappointing to those people who were watching. And this, the structure of the team, team selection um, seemed to be um, bad. I mean, the three top left-handers just couldn't get the ball away. And I think Sean Devers, the Guyana cricket commentator and writer, points out that maybe what you do in the four-day, and they've been very successful, the same lineup can't work for the 50-over, and maybe it's time for them to shake the tree and pick people who have more 50-over skills, who are more aggressive at the top. And Guyana was so slow that uh, they really blew their chances. Mm-hmm. Stick it with uh, <clears throat> uh, the Guyana uh side at the moment but uh, in the even shorter format of the 2020 there's been a couple of stories kicking around this week Reds that um, uh, when the CPL gets underway that, that players are going to be leaving the Guyana franchise uh, the Jaguars and returning to Trinidad and Tobago uh, amongst those Sanyo Narayan can you tell us any more about that? Yeah well initially uh, Lender Simmons has said he's going home he had three great years uh, with the Jaguars but I think that's ended I don't know if they've ended it or he's ended uh, we, we have to wait and see. And the um, the Red Force being bought by the Knight Riders, they're now the TNT Knight Riders. Right. And uh, the Trinidad paper is carrying a story uh, that Narayan will not be staying with the Jaguars um, in 2016 CPL. He is going to the Knight Riders. Now, the whole situation with Narayan is up in the air. He is about to play, uh, I think... Uh, this coming weekend uh, for Queen's Park. And um, he's hoping to go to an ICC lab and get his action cleared. So there there are many question marks. There are many question marks. He wants, obviously, to to play in the IPL. He also wants to try and be in a position to be picked for the West Indies uh, 2020 um, team. And of course, he's got his eyes maybe also on the June ODIs against South Africa and Australia. But the, the main question is, will he get the action cleared? Will he get the all clearance from the ICC? And I think on that, that hinges um, a great deal on whoever he, he might want to play for. Mm, absolutely. Well, there was even stories this week that there was uh, question marks whether he was even going to be allowed to play for his own club, Queen's Park, while there were still question marks over his action. Um, it seems from a report that we both read today that that's not going to be the case. But, but Reds, while there is still this query over his action, and he's been reported a number of times and gone away and come back again, how how can the West Indies cricket ball possibly, while there is this big question mark over him. How can they possibly pick him for the 2020 World Cup? Well, I don't know if he's going to have that uh, opportunity uh, prior to the selection of of, of getting his his action cleared. Mm. I I gather the the, the process, once he can get um, the the opportunity to attend, and there are many now, um, it might be quick enough 
uh, if the answer could come back in a positive way, and I'm sure that Clive Lloyd must be um, very much aware, uh, that's my reading of it. Um, yeah. If he can't get that, well, um, he, he can't be selected because they can't take that chance. And he wouldn't be allowed unless he's cleared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one who may have a query over his selection uh, for the 2020 World Cup is, is skipper Darren Sammy. Um, amongst other things, he was cut from the WICB's uh, uh, contracted players list uh, uh, recently. And he had rather a poor uh, Big Bash Reds. Well, I don't believe because he's not on contract, he wouldn't maintain the leadership for the upcoming 2020. Um, his form in Australia was disappointing, but he's a good leader of men. Yeah. And I will think, David, um, that uh, once um, I think all the selectors are in support of that, I think that Darren Sammy will, will, will remain as the, the West Indies 2020 captain. I could be wrong. It could be one or two surprises. But I think because he's not contracted, that's not a, a, an indicator. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, similarly, uh, Andre Russell lost his, his uh, contract retainer and he's been on the Sydney Thunder side and one of the best players in the tournament that have won the Big Bash uh, just in the last 24 hours. So, no, that's not, not likely to be an indicator. Um, the Big Bash itself, I don't know how much of it you watched, Rez. I watched what I could and enjoyed it. It, it was a great success. Um, one of the greatest successes of the tournament, the whole event, was the, uh, was the women's element of the tournament. Yes, and I'm happy to see some of the West Indies players I mean, um, being contracted, some of them doing better than others. Um, the, the West Indies captain, Taylor, had overall a fairly good performance. I didn't see all the details of the other players, mm. um, but uh, you know, it's something which, of course, um, gave them an opportunity in Australia to display the female side and it was good exposure in front of very large crowds uh, you know the crowds were fantastic and it, it means it was a financial success uh, great coverage uh, no doubt uh, just to the question of the crowds I was a little disappointed uh, by the um, crowds for the Nagico final yeah I certainly I certainly felt that it was half of the crowd that watched the final last year uh, where Trinidad and Tobago won very easily over Guyana, and of course the the, the, the Narayan factor uh, was major. Very good crowds last year, not very good crowds this year. No, it's, it's very true. Um, got reverted to the, 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 the women involved in the uh, 2020. Um, you mentioned Stephanie Taylor, another was Hayley Matthews, who had quite a successful tournament for the Hobart Hurricanes. Um, can we see perhaps... This carried over the the success of the women's format, um, the women's version of the uh, of the format, the twenty twenty format, uh, entering into the CPL Reds. Well, I think um, Stacey Ann King was also there. I think she mm. was the third West Indian woman. I, I don't see a CPL yet, um, you know, involving the women. The game is not that strong um, overall. Um, I, I don't see that on the card. They're going to South Africa, so that would be the focus um, when they go to South Africa to, to test the, the, their ability. And speaking to Coach Drakes and Mosley, they were quite confident that they'll do well against South Africa. What concerns me about the women's game is that this present crop, hmm. very good talent, very good skill, 
great ability in, in just about every department. Um, but, you know, what's what's in the cupboard? Yeah. You know, who's competing um, for a place? Who's knocking on the door? And I think the West Indies board has got to, to really work on developing uh, a next uh, generation of players, a next, um, you know, a next squad, so that, uh, you know, when time comes to replace some of the players, because um, some of them are, are moving on in age, uh, that we have, we, we have, you know, the, the, the backup players um, to, to move on. So yeah. great to have this team functioning as a unit. It's almost a family, but we need to look beyond these players and we have to get the game stronger um, at the club level, at the national level. So when we have a West Indies female tournament, uh, we, we can see it's not one-sided and there is a, a number of players coming through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, as you alluded to there, the uh, the West Indies women's side, uh, it's got a camp in Barbados before they go off to a, a tour of South Africa where they play three ODIs and three 2020s, and that's all ahead of the women's uh, 2020 version of the World Cup. Uh, we wish them well in that. One one good thing that was a little bit of news this week, Reds, uh, in the area you're talking about in developing women's players, was that the Barbados Cricket Association announced that uh, they're going to uh, have eight contracted uh, women cricketers. That that was a, a move in the right direction. Yes, um, I, I think that will certainly strengthen the women's game in Barbados, where you can have um, players on almost full contracts. But um, you know, you 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 ought to be concerned. As What's happening uh, with the game in Guyana? What's happening with the game um, in, in Jamaica? What's happening in the game in the Leewards and Windwards? Uh, good news, but you, you, you also want equal sort of, of development. I know it's a question of money, uh, but at least you need to ensure that the game in the other islands are also being attended to and, and, and new talent and new competitions um, are, are being planned. Yeah, no, absolutely. Moving on, uh, you were talking there about new talent. Um, let's talk for a while about old talent. Uh, one of the biggest uh, stories of the week was the uh, retirement reds of Shiv Chandrapal. Uh, it was only a few days ago. Uh, you and I both got uh, an email from a listener really worried about Chandrapal's lack of form, how poor he'd looked. Um, the, the phrase embarrassing was even uh, used about uh, his, his cricket for Guyana uh, this year. And now he has confirmed his retirement. It does seem so that he can make himself available for Masters cricket. Um, a great player. How's he going to be remembered, Reds? Well, there will always be a debate when he joins the list of great. Um, I think that he is certainly one of the most dependable mm. West Indian batsmen ever. Um, you know, it's really been a fairy tale story with Shiv Chandrapal. I mean, you know, out of the blue, the selectors, David Holford was chairman. They picked him for the Guyana test. And um, it's it really a, a great story, you know. It's, it's, it's a fairy tale. And, um, you know, the, the, the runs speak, you know, will, will speak for itself. Um, I think the end came on a, on a little bit of a, a sad note. Mm. Um, you know, he ends up with a, an average of over 50 in, in terms of tests. And, um, you know, that could be a little even more impressive if you take away um, those test matches he failed against South Africa and England. Um, but, you know, 
a great servant of West Indies cricket. Um, not everyone is going to be a stroke player. Um, mm -hmm. You have you you have that unique talent um, who can bolt the middle order together. And you know he was very special. He had his own style. He wasn't coached. His father and mother and sister bolted him on the beaches of unity, and uh, he committed himself. Um, as, a, as a young man, as a teenager, I am going to play cricket. I'm going to play for Guyana. I'm going to play for the West Indies. And that story uh, was not just a dream. It happened in reality. Yeah, no, absolutely. A very fine cricketer. Um, one of the other things that came out about this uh, story, though, Red, the, about the, him potentially moving into Masters cricket, was that uh, Fidel Edwards has uh, apparently signed up to do likewise. He hasn't actually retired yet, and since he signed a contract to play county cricket with Hampshire, I believe, again next season, that may come as a bit of surprise to one or two people. Yes, um, he's got to make a decision. I mean, I do not know what is the financial um, inducement uh, to play in the ex-Test Cricket's competition. I don't know what Hampshire is offering him. Um, some people feel that he's still good enough mm. uh, to, to, to play for the West Indies. Uh, Fidel Edwards, uh, in a final analysis, has, has got to decide which way he wants to go. You can't have cake and bake, as they say. <laughs> and uh, we, we just uh, will have to wait and see what decision is being made. Um, but uh, it, it will be answered fairly shortly. Whether um, he has applied um, for... Uh, well, he, he's got to resign, according to the ICC, in writing. And then we, we, we will see further. Yeah, now we'll watch this space. Um, Chandra Paul, uh, his retirement uh, prompted some tributes in many areas. One was from uh, uh, the West Indies Players Association. Uh, he wasn't the only person getting tributes this week. There was also tributes, I believe, after the Najiko final to the umpire Peter Nero, uh, to West Indies uh, uh, well, now former manager, Sir Richie Richardson, who's going off to be an ICC match referee. Uh, the WICB also uh, lauded this week Andy Gantome, West Indies' oldest living player, who's uh, just turned 95, Reds. Yes, and, you know, the fairy tale um, thing of one test match, 112, never played again. Uh, he was overlooked um, in 49 to India. He was overlooked to England in 1950, Australia in 1951, and uh, never got a selection on a squad until 1957. Mm. Uh, by that time, you know, I think he, he had passed his best. But I had the pleasure of seeing him play in 1953. Very neat player, um, very defensive, a, a bit of a Jeffrey Boycott in, in a sense. Um, a lovely person, a lovely person. Uh, worked in him, with him on radio, and uh, delightful to talk to. I mean, I was able to talk to him about the 30s and 40s, um, you know, which was before my time. And it, it was a marvelous opportunity. And it has been, you know, really great uh, knowing Andy Gantu. Yeah, well, we wish him, wish him well on uh, the occasion of his birthday. Um, we can't keep uh, Chris Gale out of the headlines uh, in the West Indies. Reds, um, only in the, in the last few days, or five or six days ago, so Hilary Beckles uh, asked the people of the Caribbean to uh, try and support Chris, and his phrase was uh, that the events had uh, had humbled Chris. 
I think it was only 24, 48 hours later that uh, Gail came out with uh, rather an unpleasant Instagram in which she seemed to diss um, all and sundry uh, in the follow-up to uh, the, the, the well-publicised incidents uh, in an interview in The Big Bash. We've had quite a lot of correspondence, you and I, Reds, from listeners who feel we haven't perhaps been hard enough on Reds. I've certainly today in my blog made some very harsh statements uh, against Gail. Um, is this something we just want to move on from, Red? Yes, I think I was a little surprised by Sir Hillary's um, appeal because, um, you know, um, I, like, like I said, where did that come from in the circumstances? And it wasn't more than the following day that, you know, you had a, another Gale episode. And, and my own feeling is that he'd answered uh, with the bat, 50 yeah. off 12 balls, Pack up, leave Australia. The fans uh, still love you, and it, it should have ended there. And you know, I don't think there is much more, much more to add. Uh, and life goes on. We'll see if he'll be recontracted. If he gets fit enough, he hopes to play for for, for the West Indies again. Yeah. Yes, we'll wait and see. My my own personal feeling was that his his outburst just undermined the apologies that he'd he'd given. It showed he had no understanding, no contrition whatsoever uh, about the the previous events. And I just thought the whole thing was distasteful and 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 rather sad. But I think you know I think both you and I have got a little tired of talking about um, those sorts of unhappy things. Um, another unhappy thing, but. These things happen, uh, come to all of us eventually. Uh, a, a fellow broadcaster died this week, uh, Reds, Jack Bannister. Yes, I, I got to know him. Uh, of course, I wasn't around for his playing days, but I know that he played for Warwickshire, uh, quite a good a good Warwickshire team. It included Rohan Kanai, it, in, it included Lance Gibbs, um, it included Rudy Webster, yeah. and uh, a number of other England players. And I talked to him about at length uh, about that, especially you know when we met at Lords, there was time in the press box uh, to turn back the clock. Mm. And uh, he had a unique accent. I don't know if it was a Birmingham accent or a Warwickshire accent. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, but he was he, he he was pleasant. And after his playing days, he he worked a lot um, as a journalist. And as you know, he worked a, a lot players yes well he was a uh, he, he he was instrumental i think really in the setting up of the uh, professional players association uh, in england and uh, did a great deal of work there um as you mentioned he moved into broadcasting and was for many years on the bbc as a as a tv commentator um and as you quite rightly say he was also very heavily involved at warwickshire in a period when warwickshire had a great many influences from the caribbean he played alongside um dr rudy webster uh when rudy opened the bowling in the uh, 19 was it 65 i think it was 66 the 1966 uh, gillette cup final which warwickshire won against uh, worcestershire and uh, and Rudy turned in the, the figures of 12 overs, two maidens, one for 28. Um, and then later, Bannister in his last year as a professional played alongside both Lance Gibbs and Rowan Canai. And I think he was also involved in the bringing of uh, both Derek Murray and Alvin Kalicharan to Warwickshire in the, uh, in the early 70s. Yes, um, and I think for our listeners, um, he was in fact a medium-paced bowler and middle-order batsman, wasn't he, David? Mm. Yep, no, a very useful cricketer who took 
I think somewhere in the region of 1,200, over 1,000 first-class wickets uh, in the days when a lot more first-class cricket was played. And uh, not good enough to get uh, even the one cap for England, um, but one of those uh, rare people to have taken uh, all 10 wickets in an innings. Yes, Eddie Hemmings, um, maybe it was the one I saw at Sabina Park, but I must congratulate you on the work and picking up those figures of Rudy Webster. Well played, David. <laughs> well, you're just uh, fingertips away from the uh, uh, from the internet with either Cricket Info or my own personal favourite, Cricket Archive Reds. Um, it has been a very, very busy week in uh, West Indies cricket. Uh, we haven't had time this week to talk about the uh, the under-19s who are out preparing for the World Cup, but there's still time for that, and I think we can uh, look at them a little bit more, hopefully, next week. Yes, and, and the breaking story this morning is that they were able to draw with South Africa. They drew with South Africa, but didn't bat all that well, uh, but must have bowled um, pretty well to ensure that South Africa didn't get the target in the, the, the required overs. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wish them well in their endeavours. Uh, I think that's about time. Uh, all we've got time for this week, Reds. Uh, I know you always like to thank our uh, radio listeners for joining us. Yes, yeah, so without them, and I know you've got uh, the list of wherever we are going. Uh, we, we just want to say uh, thanks uh, for your support, thanks for your listening, and uh, thanks for carrying it on some stations. And we would like to get some feedback. We would like to get uh, your thoughts and anything you, you, you need to comment on. And uh, I think we've had that starting to come in, David, which has given us a very good feedback. We want to say a special, a special hello to our North American fans who must be under a lot of snow. Yes, 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 indeed. Terrible pictures of, uh, I think I read it was 28 inches of snow today, Reds. Yes, and uh, I don't know how you're going to play North American football. Well, I mean, that, that all those matches must be cancelled. Mm. Um, but here's, here's hoping that the weather will break a little bit in Barbados and the farmers will, will, will get some rain. We, we've had a fair amount of rain in St. Lucia, but Barbados, I think, and Guyana is struggling for a, a little bit of, of, of rainy weather. Well, I hope the uh, the, the rainy weather is, uh, uh, doesn't set in for too long um, uh, in the the next few weeks because I'm going to uh, be there for a week, ten days in Barbados myself <laughs> in in the middle of February. And you might watch the Barbados Sky in a game, the four day game. That should be an interesting game. We'll see if young Tash Chanjapal will, will come in, maybe to replace his dad, and whether uh, they will be in fact a very good contest at Kensington. Uh, where um, conditions should be much better for, for both the batsmen and, and the bowlers. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to my visit to my second home uh, soon very, very much. Um, thank you for joining me, Reds. OK, stay well and we'll talk next Sunday. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, this has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Reds Pereira and me, David Oram. And I hope you can join us again next time. Goodbye.